Welcome to Cloudy with a Chance of Trust, a podcast for digital transformation leaders where we discuss the latest cyber attack issues, enterprise security strategies, and current security events so that you can successfully accelerate network and security transformation. And now here's what's on our mind this week. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to Cloudy with a Chance of Trust with Lisa and Pam. We have a special guest today, Tony Patera, who is the SVP of Emerging Products at Zscaler. And he has a bunch of topics that are very near and dear to my heart. So, Tony, welcome. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks, Pam. For us, ZPA or Zscaler Private Access is kind of the starting point for what most folks do to secure the inside of their environment or their private applications. And most folks kind of go, hey, wait a second, my VPN's up for renewal. I want to replace it and use something better, if you will. And we, we've been working with them on those journeys for quite some time. Okay. So how do you fit into this? As SVP of Emerging Products, you're shepherding ZPA along in its journey, but you're also fitting it into some of the larger initiatives in the company, right? Yeah, exactly. So maybe a couple of things to look at here. For us, Zero Trust has a few major components, and it roughly boils down to users, workloads, and things, if you will. And so ZPA and a lot of the stuff that we're, uh, uh, we're putting out into the market right now is focused on how to help customers adopt zero trust for users, if you will. And so that's a combination of our secure web gateways, our CASB technology, and this is specifically our ZTNA component of that three-legged stool for zero trust for users. That makes sense. And I know that the term zero trust has basically been plastered all over every security product for the last couple of years. It is the hot buzzword. Can you talk about some of the trends you're seeing around the topic of zero trust today? Yeah, sure. And you're right. When some of these terms catch fire, they tend to get a little bit used heavily. Uh, And so to use a bit of an analogy on this one, talk a little bit about trends and kind of what we're seeing day to day. If you're going to renovate your house, you kind of, you have a bit of a staring contest on your hands and you package it up into things that feel like projects you could accomplish. Hey, we should redo the kitchen. Hey, we should redo the closets. Maybe we should paint the walls. What about the windows? And a couple of months later, you're like, oh crap, we're, we're renovating the whole house. So what you end up is there's just a lot of wear and tear over the last 20 years. And the stuff that you thought was a good idea back then just doesn't work today. And so for us, what we're seeing is that most customers have already skipped through all that and went, wait a second, we're renovating the house. We're starting there. We've looked at the kitchen. We've looked at the cabinets and went, wait a second, no. What you find is a lot of vendors have realized this. So now you have a bunch of folks going door to door and knocking and saying, zero trust, sign here, buy here. But we've been at this long enough that this is kind of, you know, everyone's figured out how to get Google AdWords running or partner with an industry analyst to say nice, friendly things. The thing that customers are asking now is not if I should do this, but how I should do it right. And so they're asking effectively, who's the contractor that's done three houses on the block? And I know how they did a good job. How do I partner with them? What's their number? And so that's typically what we find is we've done that. We've kind of been beaten up and soaked in the enterprise. Our customers speak for us on this. And this is how I think we can help a lot of folks out there. So does that make Gartner the next door of vendor recommendations? (laughs) Something, Something like that. Something like that for sure. Gotcha. So Tony, that's awesome. That analogy was really, that hit home, huh? Didn't mean that, but anyhow, how could you go ahead and give our listeners a view into ZPA today? And where are we in the solution that we provide for our customers relative to ZPA? Yeah, today what most folks do is they understand zero trust. They know they want to go down that journey. 
they're looking at architectural plans and big components that can take them along those paths in discrete phases. When people say a zero trust journey, you shouldn't think of it as like it's a five-year road to nowhere with a lot of PowerPoint headlines around that. For us, kind of the out-of-the-box value and what customers quickly adopted is saying, wait a second, let's just toss the VPN. It creates a public attack surface. It basically increases the risk to my private applications. And in a work from anywhere environment, there's a big spotlight that gets put on that. And so that's yeah. kind of where folks start today is they go, let me toss the VPN. Let me use a zero trust flavored version of that for a lower risk model to enable my employees. If we think about how that fits into the larger picture of zero trust at Zscaler, one of the things that we've done is really try to push the boundaries of the term itself. The original No More Chewy Centers white paper, if you could find the version that was published in, what, 2010, it was really narrowly focused. We wanted to find a better way to connect on-premise users to local applications with visibility and control in a world where we had still a lot of flat networks. That term has obviously evolved over the years, but I think we've had a hand in that evolution. What would you say that we are doing at Zscaler around zero trust that is both expanding the term and tying together all of these initiatives? Yeah, for sure. And if you take a look at the soft chewy center, is somebody at home or somebody in the office, you kind of don't care about that problem, right? Where they are is more of an artifact of how you support them, less the types of controls you want to enable them. And so for us, one of the things that we introduced about 18 months ago was taking all of this work from anywhere, work from home kind of protections and bringing that risk reduction back to the office, if you will. Whether you have a compromised user that can spread laterally sitting at home on their couch or whether they're in a conference room, these are both problems to solve inside of a risk reduction, zero trust kind of mindset. Unauthorized lateral movement has been a challenge forever, regardless of where that lateral movement originates. I think also we've seen a lot of push towards, as you said at the beginning, it's not just about users anymore. It's about users, workloads, devices, things on the internet of things. Broadening the definition of zero trust often broadens the playing field in a way that can be a little intimidating to customers. Do you see that there's some appetite for taking on all of these different arenas? We'll be lucky in our careers to see the successes we are seeing right now. I think it's, it's pretty easy to get carried away with saying we're going to conquer the world and take on every problem out there. There are some problems that just frankly aren't our problem to solve and we should be partnering. We're close partners with your IDPs. Authentication and identity are a critical component of zero trust, but we don't own that part. We partner for that. The same point you look at endpoint detections and compromised user. That's not our problem to solve. We're friends there. That's an ecosystem thing. We pull in context from those leading vendors Pick your Microsoft, pick your Okta, pick your CrowdStrike. All of these folks, we integrate those technologies in a way that our customers have readily appreciated. On the flip side of that is we've been at this long enough that we kind of know a couple of the next problems that come up. So think about it. Like you had a VPN, you connected users to private applications, you stuck a firewall a few zip codes away, crossed your fingers, and you invited a network threat detection to the party off of a span port, trying to figure out what do these people have access to? Are they compromised? My God, who are they? And you just ended up with an intractable problem. So I think some of the things that more are closer to our problems to solve are user to application segmentation. We already have a risk-based policy context that says, hey, wait a second. If you're on grandma's PC versus your corporate managed endpoint running CrowdStrike, we'll give you differentiated levels of access. On the flip side of that, 
the bad guys didn't just go to sleep because you signed up for a zero trust project, right? What changed is you no longer have a public attack service. You now have to look at that compromised user as a first order problem. And I think we have some fun stuff going on there too. Definitely. You know, Tony, you hit on a phenomenal point. So many of us and so many are still trying to get to network segmentation. And so many are trying to get to the port level of that segmentation. But the problem is they don't know what access a user needs and what needs to talk to what. So they struggle with getting to that point. But to your earlier comment about the fact that bringing that view of ZPA into the actual workplace, being able to create that user to application segmentation without having to segment the network really minimizes, number one, the attack surface, number two, the operational overhead. Because those poor operational teams are trying to, if something happens, you're sitting and they're all in a room all together. I've been in war rooms where there's 10, 12 technicians sitting, all looking through these logs, all trying to do traces, all trying to figure out what was the path, what got touched, what got hit, where did somebody go? If you don't see anything and you can't, it isn't completely flat, it isn't open, there really isn't anywhere to go, but the destination you were targeting. Is that a correct statement? Yeah. If you look at segmentation as a topic, there's a reason there's not a product that solves segmentation. It's not like when you say segmentation, people have a Pavlovian response that says firewall or switch or whatever. The problem is that you've tried 17 different ways and none of them worked. And so one of the things that we try to break this down into something that we'll collectively be able to achieve in our careers is, wait a second, the problem when you stop trying to secure the network is the compromised user spreading laterally. If you start with the model of trying to secure the network, the network's there to connect everything. You have diametrically opposed forces. This is never going to work. And so what we're doing is saying, look at what your users are using. You have a strong system of record with your IDPs. They'll tell you who a user is, give or take, and enough to build good policy on. You get to discover what your applications are and work out user application segmentation policies that sound a whole hell of a lot more compelling than separate dev from test or this rack from that rack, or please, dear God, don't let me put anything in the cloud. These aren't actual tractable problems to solve because they're not actually rooted in how something got into the data center. They're just trying to figure out how to keep the data center from talking to itself. Absolutely. Can you also elaborate on how is the Zscaler offering for ZPA? How is it actually different from the competition? If you look at this, step one, toss your VPN. It's kind of game over in that scenario. And we're just kind of marching along that path. I think the basic competitive piece there is by having a network-based device, it means you're going to have a public attack service. And to use another analogy, if you think about a VPN, it's the moral equivalent of having your phone number published in the white pages, and you're just getting robo-dialed six ways from Sunday and no caller ID. So on top of this, as you're looking at it, you go, wait a second, I have to pick up the phone every time for 30 seconds to figure out if the IRS telling me that I'm overdoing my taxes for the 302nd time this month. But with ZPA, you're actually starting a slightly different conversation. Your number's not in the white pages. No one's calling you. If they do call you, they have to present a passport before they actually get through. And so at the end of the day, from a security professional's perspective, you've kind of cut off that public attack surface, which is a fundamental difference between us and a network-based technology. Mm-hmm. So we're building on that because there's a big push to move to the cloud and we've seen the advantages of cloud delivered solutions. Hindsight is always 2020, but this does seem like kind of the obvious advantage. I think that there are areas that we're doing development in that nobody else is doing and that are some of the hardest problems in zero trust. And I'm thinking specifically of intelligent policy. 
but I know that we've got other interesting things coming too. So we're getting to the part that I really want to get to, which is what's coming down the pike. Pam kind of already touched on this. If you've had any poor router jockey out there say, wait a second, I need to implement something at the bottom of my routing table to shoot out logs. Anytime anyone puts any kind of turn the logging level up to 15 at the end of a policy, they kind of know what that problem looks like. They know what the discovery problem looks like. They know that there's no correlation end to end across the user, the application, and the endpoint. And so what starts to become really interesting is we already kind of have all of that in a cloud solution. We've got millions upon millions of users in every industry and every geo that have been using their applications for a long time. And so what we get to start doing is saying, here's a couple out of the box, no brainer policies. Everyone's got a list of a regulated app or a critical user or a VIP user. Those are things that if it's in a PCI zone, you have a very well-groomed list of everything that's in the PCI zone. That's a static policy we do today. Step past that is how do you start rolling that out to the perfume app that like 10 people can touch and you don't know what it is other than it's really critical to the business. And so for us, one of the things we can bring in there because of our data advantage is an ML model to actually cluster some of these things. We know from an IDP what department you belong to. We know from our data plane telemetry what application you're accessing and what services it uses. We can start to cluster those up and say, doesn't it make sense to build an access policy around this kind of stuff? Because we have enough visibility today across the entire cloud to go, yeah, it seems like these people like to use these applications. Maybe don't let everybody else in the company use them. And the reason that's so exciting to me is I've been struggling with this problem for, I would say, literally decades. If you'd started out in some of my previous employers telling me that I could write policy to connect users to applications, it wouldn't have actually helped me because we didn't know who needed to connect to what. And that was one of the reasons I was so excited about Zscaler and ZPA in particular was the application discovery, the rich metadata in the user activity logs. But you realize, okay, we have given you a haystack and now you have to make hay bales. The neat thing about intelligent policy and the machine learning model is now the hay can start to bale itself and we can free up some of that expensive personnel time to really focus on some of the more challenging issues than going out and figuring out every Active Directory domain controller in the company or finding every file share that this group of users needs to access. It's an extension of the orchestration and automation that helps us become more efficient, but the intelligent piece of intelligent policy is critical too. Being able to not just go by all these things are in the same subnet or all these things have a similar naming pattern, but these are our actual traffic patterns. This is signals that we're collecting from real-world user data. You're absolutely right. And no pressure on our engineering team to just crush this one out of the park when Lisa's this excited about it. But if you think about this, the hard part isn't the ML models. Anyone with a credit card can go look in AWS and go, SageMaker, pretty please, can you put these things together? That part is not differentiating. What's actually differentiating is the signals and how you groom and tune those models over time. So when I say we have millions of users, we get to look at that traffic and continually add inputs to go, today it's the fact that Lisa works in IT and Pam works in security, and we can kind of bring those together in the same way. But that's just the beginning of how we can build some of those clusters. One of the other things that we're really curious about is we have a lot of trust and risk context in our policy model today. We can actually start to bring in other areas that we think are really exciting. Think about the fact that someone's a knucklehead and loves to click on newly registered domains. 
should they really be touching your crown jewel apps? Or do you want to wrap them in bubble wrap before they do that? Those are some of the areas we think are pretty interesting to bring in more of a risk-based access along with compensating controls we already have. Definitely. And we kind of have the best of both worlds because we have this incredible field of background intelligence from across our entire cloud, but we also have the ability to customize specific to a particular organization's traffic patterns and user activities. So I'm going to switch topics here for a minute because the other area that I think is really exciting, we had Sahir on a couple episodes ago to talk about active defense. There's a real interesting interplay between private access and active defense. Can you talk a little about the evolution of how those two solutions support each other? Yeah, for sure. I think it helps to highlight a little bit of the different philosophy we have in this space. One of the biggest things that we always kind of laugh about internally is we're ZTNA, just take the N out of it. There's no network for us. There's just no mental model that we actually think the network is the right foundational model there. If you come in from a network mindset, you're connecting everything, which means you have to secure everything. You have to understand everything. It's just the wrong way to go about this. For us, when it's coming at users to applications and everything you said about getting very strong user to application segmentation policy, hey, we just shrunk your attack surface because we're not answering your telemarketers' phone calls. We've effectively shrunk down your internal attack surface with strong user to app segmentation policies. Can we think about this a little different? So what we think about, and I heard this from one of our fantastic customers in the global FinServe community, he was explaining this to his eight-year-old with a couple of wine glasses. So what he said was, hey, here's how this works. If I have access to this wine glass, but not this wine glass, I can take all of these things away. I can make these applications dark. But with what we're doing with Zscaler Deception, we can take that space where folks don't have access and turn the lights on. And this isn't a thing of you're trying to make sense of the network and say, hey, wait a second, did they put the packets in reverse order and spend all your cycles doing that? It's the fact that Lisa's typing in her name and password into something that she shouldn't have access to. That's a different kind of alert and a different kind of model to think about. Interesting. And I know there's a lot of neat forward-looking development going on, but we do also have to make sure that we carry forward some of the technologies that have served us well over the past decades. And one of those is content inspection. Traditionally, ZPA started out with a firm tenet that we don't crack open the packets. We don't want to be inside your enterprise security boundary. We don't want to be subject to your regulations. But the drive for things like BYOD and third-party access means that there are tightly scoped use cases where that's valuable. And I know we're doing some interesting development there. Can you talk about that? Yeah, for sure. Once again, this is kind of rooted in the compromised user trying to access an application. That's the framing mental model there. So one of the things for us, it's important to think about the difference between a network-based versus a user and application-based mindset here. For us, the problem space is the compromised user touching an application. And that's fundamentally different than a network way of thinking about that. A network is going to try to say, wait a second, how do I secure L2, L3, the ping of death or a land attack or pick anything that we all learned in SANS classes 20 years ago? Those things are irrelevant in a zero trust model because you don't have the network to propagate out a big ping suite. Service enumeration, any of those discovery things, they're frankly a lot simpler problems to deal with when you're not trying to secure the network. That doesn't mean that everything they ever did was wrong. One of the areas you look about recently is Log4j. It was fundamentally a critical vulnerability 
There's no near-term future where application layer vulnerabilities go away and you don't have to patch stuff. For us, if you have a compromised user, application layer protections still do make sense. And so what we recently introduced is the ability for inline inspection of things like web applications. Can we protect against log4j? Yes. The only time we need to protect against log4j is if your user got compromised, though. Makes perfect sense. Thank you. Tony, this has been wonderful. You've really summed up ZPA for us, user applications, things coming, things that we have today. If there's something you want to leave our listeners, a last thought you want to leave them with, what would that be? A key thing to think about is when you are evaluating your zero trust architecture, when you're thinking about that whole house renovation, step one, ask if it's a network thing or a user and application thing. That's a basic divergent thing. Like if you're trying to stay with the network, if you're trying to invest in the network, that's not us. Just kind of rule us out of that picture. But on the flip side of that, if you're looking at users and applications, that's an area where we should engage and kind of dig in because we're listening to a lot of customer feedback on that journey right now. And we're learning a ton and we're having a blast, but I want to make sure that we're partnering on the right areas and we'd love to hear from you. That's awesome. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you joining us today. And for all you out there listening, thanks again for tuning in. For Lisa and I, we bid you all a great day. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Cloudy with a Chance of Trust. Check back with your podcast provider regularly for more episodes. You can find Lisa Lorenzen and Pam Kubiatowski on the CXO Revolutionaries website at revolutionaries.zscaler.com or on LinkedIn. Statements by Zscaler podcasters and guests are informational only and should never be construed as legal advice. You should consult with your legal advisor on matters related to you or your business. Zscaler makes no warranties, express, implied, or statutory as to the content of this podcast, and it is provided as is. Content on this podcast may contain forward-looking statements that are current as of the date of recording and subject to change. These statements are subject to the safe harbor provisions created by the Private Securities Litigation Reform Act of 1995. Full legal disclaimers are available at revolutionaries.zscaler.com. Copyright 2022.